I want to thank our worship team for leading us in praising the Lord. Thank you guys very much. And preferably, we are on our way to Canaan's land. It's a new month. Aren't you thankful for the hour that you got last night? I tell you, I had one of my best nights sleep. Praise God. We're going to start our series this month on being thankful. Being thankful. Can you tell somebody this morning, be thankful? Be thankful. That's what we're going to be focusing on. And uh, we're going to be starting over in a scripture over in 1 Peter chapter 1 in just a moment. But uh, I did want to take this opportunity to welcome all of our guests and family and friends uh, for being with us here in the Westchester region. We are one of ten different regions in the New York City Church of Christ that are meeting today to worship God and to encourage one another through fellowship. So let's pray together and then we're going to get into our message on being thankful for our salvation. Being thankful for the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our God and Father in heaven, you are so amazing. Every good thing in our lives is from you. We are overwhelmed by your goodness and your grace and your mercy. You give us more than we deserve, and you rescue us from the things that we do deserve. Uh, Father, help our hearts to be filled with gratitude for you and to, to be souls that never give in to cynicism, ingratitude, or complaining, because we're the most blessed of all people. Bless our time together today. Help our eyes to be focused on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Being thankful for our salvation. And we're going to be looking in just a moment at a scripture over in First Peter chapter, chapter 1. You know, every November I take time to reflect on my spiritual life and the many ways God moved uh, so many years ago, deca- decades ago, uh, to bring me to a point of salvation. And uh, here in First uh, Peter, and uh, Harry tells me that I need to point this way with the clicker and not at the screen. So I got a little education. Thank you very much, Harry Mullen. I appreciate that. I'm thankful for all things, even the little things. But here in First Peter chapter 1, And in this scripture, the word salvation is mentioned three times. And uh, Peter says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. and His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time, and this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, 
the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Peter says that we've been given a great salvation. And he goes on and he says in, in verse 8, says, though you've not seen Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Salvation is an amazing gift. And we should be forever thankful that we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That God went out of his way to bring us into his kingdom. And that this salvation, which is so precious, is something that we should treasure and be motivated by every day of our Christian lives. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But God in his goodness has allowed us to be saved through Jesus Christ. What a great gift. And if as Christians we ever take it for granted, we lose our appreciation, we lose our understanding of what it really means to be a Christian. And so we should be forever thankful that through Jesus we're saved. And we're not saved because we're Americans. We're not saved because we grew up in some religious family, even though that may have played a factor. We're saved because God reached out to us and loved us and sent his son to die for us. You know, Joe Casada was teaching a, a class a few weeks ago, and he made a very good point. And I said, Joe, can you send me the, can you send me the, the, the notes? You know, every now and then you, you get, get some great insights from a brother. And he, he made the point that mercy is not getting what we deserve and grace is getting what we don't deserve. And then I, I added justice and justice is getting what we deserve. And our God is a just God. And because he's a just God, he had to send Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, to take our place because in his, in his justice, he cannot contradict himself. And someone had to be willing to pay the price for our sins because the wages of sin is death. And Jesus came in, and through Jesus, we have received mercy, have we not, church? In getting and not getting what we deserve. Praise God. He's not given us what we deserve for our sins. And if you don't understand that, you need to open your Bible and read it. And you need to understand that when it comes to sin, we deserve death. And not just physical death, but spiritual death, spiritual separation from God. 
And because of Jesus, we're given grace that God has not only saved us, but he's raised us up, lifted us up, and seated us in the heavenly realms, which one day we will spend eternity with him. Man, we should be overflowing with thanksgiving. Our hearts should be so filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy because we cannot even put into words how amazing it is, how awesome it is, how precious it is to have been redeemed from darkness and to have been brought into the kingdom of God's dear Son. I mean, how do you describe what you have in Christ? It's it's beyond explanation when you think of how much God has blessed us. And my concern is that sometimes as Christians, we begin to take this for granted. And we, we don't have the joy and the gratitude that we should have. So I'm going to try to help us with that this morning. And the one of the ways I want to help us with that is to take us back to what it took for us to be saved. Some of you were easy. Some of you were difficult, and you still are. And it took a lot for you to get here, and it's taken a lot out of some of us to keep you here. But we're going to keep working on it. So we're going to look at the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch over in Acts chapter 8, okay? Acts the 8th chapter. So we're going to read this story. And I think this will be a very encouraging story for us. Uh, and we're going to begin at Acts 8 and verse 26. It says that, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch and an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told them the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotos and traveled about preaching the gospel to all the towns until he reached Caesarea. You know, there, there, are three, there are five things, and you, you may not believe it, but I'm going to make these five points today in record time. Five things to be thankful for. Five things to be thankful for. Number one, divine intervention. 
Number two, initiating souls. Number three, open hearts. Number four, the word of God. And number five, the blood of Jesus. So let's jump right into it. Divine intervention. What I mean by that. God moved to help you to be saved. The Bible says in Acts 8, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem. Then he goes on and says, The Spirit told Philip to go to that chariot and stay near it. Do you realize that your salvation took God intervening in your life? That the angels of heaven, the Spirit of God, God Himself was looking for a way to set you up, to give you an opportunity to be saved. You're not here by coincidence. You're not here by accident. God has had His eye on you and wanting you to be saved. And we don't know all of what is taking place in the heavenly realms for us to be saved. All I know is there's a spiritual war going on. And that the devil and his angels are fighting against God and, and his angels, and that they're working, trying to work it out for mankind to be saved. Because there's nothing more valuable in all this world than a human soul. And so God intervened in my life and in your life to give you an opportunity to come to a knowledge of the truth. In Acts 17, the Bible says that the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he, gives, he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as some of your own prophets have said, we are his offspring. The school you attended, the neighborhood you moved into, the job you took, the dorm you moved into, the store you shopped in, the gym you worked out in, or even the family you grew up in were opportunities that God may have used to give you the hope of salvation. God was working. You know, when I was a, a young student at North Carolina State University, I moved from one dorm to another dorm to hang out with my friends so that we could party more together. The dorm I was in didn't have a Bible study. A Bible talk, or soul talk, as they called it back then. But the one I moved into did. And so there I was one night hanging out with one of my good buddies, and this guy named Glenn walked in and invited him to a Bible discussion. I can tell he'd been working on my roommate, Jerome, for a while. And I just moved in. And Jerome said, I'm not going. I'm not interested. And then he saw me over there, and he said, what about you? And I said, sure, I'm not doing anything. I'll go. Not knowing that that was going to be an open door that would change my life forever. But God worked that thing out. I wasn't going from, from one dorm to the other seeking God. Matter of fact, I was seeking things that were not of God. 
But I believe that God intervened and moved me from one dorm to another dorm just to give me an opportunity to be saved. How did God move in your life just to give you an opportunity? Don't take that for granted. I am forever grateful that I made that move, not knowing that God himself was working to move me closer to him. Secondly, initiating souls. You know, this guy named Glenn, he reached out to me. I'd never seen him before in my life. And after I got baptized, he graduated from college, and we had no contact for over 40 years until I reached out to him on Facebook this past week. He's still an old Church of Christer, but he reached out to me, and we never hardly spoke again. I see that as God working to use somebody to just plant a seed in my life. I just want to say something here to the kingdom kids. If you have been raised in a family where your parents are disciples, you need to praise God. That is a blessing that is beyond your understanding. And sometimes I know it's so easy to take it for granted, but to have parents that are true believers, that are disciples of Jesus, you are way ahead of the curve. And you should always thank God if you have Christian parents. Some of us wish we had. What a blessing it is. But here this brother, he reached out to me, just like Philip reached out to that that, that Ethiopian. Says then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. Yes, this brother he interrupted our lives. He initiated, but I thank God that he did. You know, a lot of us praise God. There was a family member or a neighbor or a good friend, but a lot of us were met by strangers, people we'd never known before. Someone who had. The, the heart and the courage and the desire to give us an opportunity to be saved. I praise God for the people he sent into my life. Those many decades ago to give me an opportunity to know him. You know, for some of us, that individual may not have played any other kind of significant role in your life. They may not even remain faithful themselves, but God still used them. You may have never seen them again or been involved in any kind of intimate relationship with them again. But you know, I think about the churches I grew up going to, the religious people I was around, and all those religious people in all those years never initiated a Bible study with me. No one ever asked me for the first 18 years of my life to sit down and read the Bible until Glenn showed up and said, would you come to a Bible study? I thank God for Glenn Willard. I thank God for Steve Pipkin. You fill in the blank. I thank God for Wyndham Shaw. And on and on I could go for people who sat down and opened the Bible with me and gave me an opportunity to be saved. Let's never take that for granted. 
That's the goodness and grace of God working in our lives to bring us to salvation. Thirdly, open hearts. Says, well, Sam, what do you mean by that? Open hearts. Well, when Philip went up to the, to, to the eunuch, he says, to the Ethiopian, he says, do you understand what you're reading? You know, sometimes as New Yorkers, we can be so rude, or even as human beings, we can be so rude. And someone says, hey, can I help you with that? Or do you know what you're doing? And you what? Who are you? You know, I was trying to reach out to a guy one time when I was in the Bronx, and I was just trying to be friendly. And he just turned around to me and he says, what do you want? In other words, can you please leave me alone? And a lot of times people are that way. But look at this guy's open heart. He says, he says, how can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip. He says, come on up in the chariot and, and help me out. There was a time in your life when your heart was open. I pray God it still is. But that was from God that God moved to open your heart to his word at that time in your life. And the challenge for some of us now is to continue to be open-hearted because you need to continue to grow, continue to learn, continue to be transformed into Jesus. But that openness, instead of cynicism, instead of, of, of a callous heart, is what led to our salvation. Now, I didn't know the Bible, but I was open to learning it. And I'm thankful God opened my heart to it. I didn't know these individuals, but I'm thankful that God opened my heart to being willing to learn from them. And I think that was true in so many of our lives. In Acts chapter 16, verse 13, Acts 16, verse 13, it says, On the Sabbath, this is Paul and his companion, says, We went outside the city gate where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord, it says, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. God opened her heart to respond. God opened your heart to respond. Are you as still responsive and open-hearted as you were the day you got saved? Do you still have that tender heart, that genuine, sincere desire to grow and to want to know God? Is your heart still open to the will of God for your life? Be grateful that He did open your heart. There are few things more precious and encouraging than an open and sincere heart. They're hard to find. People who are just genuinely open to the truth. And when you run into people like that, you praise God. And I thank God for the times in my life when I've met people who were just open to God. I mean, no pretension. I mean, I mean, no negativity, no suspicion. Just show me what the Bible says and I'll do it. We reach the point like that in our lives. Are we still there? And there are a few things more discouraging and disheartening than a callous and hard heart. 
Some of us are trying to save people that we love, people that are close to us, people that that we, we pray for every day. But you know what the problem is? It's their heart. Is their heart open to God? Is their heart open to the Word of God? You can't save somebody whose heart not, is not open to the Word of God. There are people that are open to coming to church. There are people that are open to talking about the Bible. But are they really open to changing, open to hearing God and responding to God? And I want to challenge us. Never lose your open and pliable heart. It got you saved, and it will keep you saved. It's possible to begin with an open heart and to end with a hard one. How many people are not here today because they did not continue to have that sincere faith and that genuine love for God and that desire to grow and to, and to be responsive to God? They're not here anymore. And it's not because... Someone just did them wrong. Our doctrine has not changed. God has not changed. The Bible's not changed. You have changed. And you have changed from a tender-hearted, sincere, willing soul to one now who's distant and independent and unwilling to be convicted by God's Word. I pray there never comes a time in my life when I read the Bible and it doesn't continue to cut me. I thank God that I was there. When I heard that story of the cross, it disturbed me. I couldn't sleep that night. I pray I never lose that. Aren't you thankful that God opened your heart? Are you thankful? Amen. I know I am. Point number four. I told you I was going to hit these. The Word of God. The Word of God. Uh, Philip goes up to, to the eunuch, to the Ethiopian here, Ethiopian eunuch, and he asks him, he says, he says, do, do, you, do you understand what you're reading? He says, no. And he'd been reading the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah the prophet. I don't know where he got the scroll from, but uh, there he was reading Isaiah. You know, if you ever read Isaiah, <laughs> it's not easy to understand. And yet Philip, through the Spirit of God, is able to explain it to him. And he says he was reading from this passage of Scripture, and he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. And so, you know, what, what, a, what a great Scripture for him to start with. And here again, I'm trying to help us to appreciate, be thankful for the Word of God which led to our salvation. Here we have the Bible. We have the Bible. We have the divine inspiration of God. And some of us don't even read it. What a gift. To know the mind of God. To know the heart of God. To know God's will for your life. God's destiny for your life. God's plan for your life. God's plan for your eternity. It's a love letter from God. It's instructions. What, what, what's the acronym for, for Bible? Basic instructions before leaving earth. And we don't even read it. And some of us, we're not teaching our children to read it. I don't want my children just to come to church. 
I want them to know God. And they're not going to know God without the Word of God. And so he begins with, with Isaiah. And he's teaching him from Isaiah. And what, what a powerful, powerful scripture Isaiah 53 is. And one that, that we've used to help people to come to know, to know God. Because it talks about the cross of Christ. It talks about the prophecy of what Jesus was going to go through. And it went on and, and, and it said this. It says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer's silence, so he did not open his mouth. And his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. The word of God. You know, I'd never read the Bible before Glenn and his friends sat down with me. And a lot of us, we've never really read the Bible. We've been around the Bible, and we've gone to church, but we've never really sat down and read the Bible. And man, when you, re- when you sit down and read the Bible, it explodes in your heart. It's amazing, the Word of God. And that's why Satan works so hard to keep you out of it. Because he knows it'll change your life. We've got people who've been coming to church week, week after week after week, but they won't sit down and read the Bible. You can't become a Christian without the Word of God. We don't want you to join our fellowship. We want you to join Jesus, which will make you a part of our fellowship. We just don't want you to be religious. We want you to know God from His Word. Man, I'm so thankful for the Word of God. You know, the Bible says that that, that the ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They're sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. The Word of God is amazing. And here this, this, this Ethiopian is, is sitting down for the first time. He, he's being read Isaiah, and he's beginning to understand it. And from the word he understands it, he understood that this Jesus, who was being prophesied about, had come to rescue him and to save him from his sins. And Philip told him, the good is Jesus good news? He told him the good news of Jesus. And it, it just changed his life. You know, there's another scripture in Isaiah chapter 53 that maybe the eunuch got to read. In Isaiah 53 verse 6 it says, Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say the Lord will surely exclude from his people. And, and, and let not any eunuch complain. I am only a dry tree. For what, for this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. 
and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him and all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called the house of prayer for all nations. And if he read that, he must have been inspired. Because it addresses eunuchs who in the Old Testament understood that they were cut off from God. And now Isaiah is prophesizing that even the eunuchs will be brought into the kingdom of God and have the hope of salvation. You know, I just want to encourage us here. We have the divine scriptures. Please, please, keep the word of God as your standard and guide. Be grateful that you have it, but keep it as your standard and guide. Sometimes we can get so distracted. And we become just like the rest of the world. We're playing church. The Bible has to be our standard. We've got to be here because of the instructions that we're receiving from the word of God. We've got to make the, the scriptures the thing that we, we treasure and that we hold to. Because I'm here to tell you, in this world, in this kingdom, in this life, there will be struggle, there will be challenges, there will be disappointments, there will be ups and downs. But the word of God is the same. It is the same. It is, it is something that we can trust in and confide in. And we need to know it for ourselves. We need to make sure we're still Bereans. That first study, we encourage people to be Bereans. Are we still Bereans ourselves? Are you in your Bible every day? Getting to know God for yourself. And not just because you're a member of the Church of Christ. But the Westchester region. Jesus is not going to call us forward by regions on the Day of Judgment not going to care about that. You know, Paul told Timothy, he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you why I'm a member of this fellowship. And it's not because of the singing. And it's not because the church services are shorter than the Baptists. And it's not because it's a good location. I'm a member of this fellowship because we go by the Word of God. Because we preach the Word of God. Because our standard is the Word of God. Because the thing that we know will judge us is the Word of God. And the minute we put down the Word of God, I'm out of here. But as long as the Word of God is our standard, this is where I'm going to be. And that's why you need to be here. And I'm thankful that we have a church that holds up the Word of God, that does not compromise the Word. Or try to use human wisdom to explain away the Word of God. And then finally... We need to be thankful for the blood of Jesus. You know, we've been talking about it. 
How in Isaiah 53, it says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrow and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him by his wounds. We are healed. And the church said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1, in verse 18, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the interway of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. We are saved by the precious blood of Christ. He shed His blood for you and for me. I don't deserve it. Praise God! So thankful! Where would I be this morning if Jesus hadn't shed His blood for me? That's why I'm not going to turn my back on Him. That's why I'm not going to compromise my faith. That's why I'm going to continue to say no to sin and temptation. Because Jesus shed his blood for me. Where would I be without God's divine intervention? Without those brave brothers motivated by the blood of Jesus to sacrifice, to reach out to me. The word of God that speaks to me every day. Praise God that he knew that one day I would need a Savior. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. It costs something for you and I to be saved this morning. What a price that was paid. Somebody had to die for you to be saved. And some of us, we have the nerve to be critical and to complain and to think that it's okay to be negative and to not be a giver. What's wrong with us? Man, nobody should be able to take away the joy of your salvation. No preacher, no life group leader, nobody should be able to take away the joy that you have when you understand what it took for you to be saved. And here they were watching along, and somehow, somehow, this Ethiopian, he got the message. The blood of Christ. I've got to come in contact with the blood of Christ. And the only way you can come in contact with the blood of Christ is through the death of Christ. And the only way you can share in the death of Christ is through the waters of baptism. 
And so here they are. In Acts 8 and verse 36, it says, As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? That's it. There was no sinner's prayer. There was no praying Jesus into your heart. There was just belief, repentance, and baptism. You know, I stand before God on the day of judgment, and he asked me, how do you get saved? I want to say, I got saved the same way Saul did. I got saved the same way the Ethiopian did. I got saved the same way that, that, that Lydia and the Philippian jailer got saved. I repented, and I got baptized. I got saved the same way the people in Acts 2 got saved. The eunuch, the Bible says he went down into that water, both Philip, he, in other words, you don't have to send two people down in the water to sprinkle somebody. Two people go down in the water so you can put somebody under the water. It says, and when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again. He didn't mind. See you later, brother. I'm saved. And he went on his way rejoicing. And that's the way it should be after you repent and get baptized into Christ, right? You go down into the water, you come up, and you go on your way doing what? Doing what? Say it again, church. Are you going on your way rejoicing in the Lord? Man, God has been so good to me. So many good things have happened into my life since I repented and I got baptized. I went down into that water unsaved. I came up saved. I went down into it hopeless. I came up with hope. I went down into it guilty. I came up with no guilt. I went down into it mourning and grieving over my sin. I came up rejoicing. And I can't tell you the 1,000 plus other ways God's blessed me since I repented and I got baptized. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Are we thankful? Man, we have the opportunity this fall when people are complaining about how cold it may get or may not get to show them the joy that we have in the Lord. What you smiling about? (laughs) How much time you got? I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Man, if, if you're happy on the inside, where should you see it? On the outside. You know, Christians should smile. Some of you are trying to smile now. It's too late. We, we should rejoice. We should praise God for what he's done for us. And here's the challenge as we begin this month. Be thankful. For your salvation. Be thankful. Don't let anybody take away the thankfulness you should have for the salvation that God has blessed you with through Jesus Christ. It took a lot to get you here. Make sure that you never take it for granted. And you know, after 40 plus years of doing this, I'm more thankful today than I've ever been that I'm a Christian. I'm more thankful than I've ever been that I know the truth 
and that Jesus has set me free. And that I'm in a great fellowship of believers. And that every, every morning I wake up with a great wife who loves Jesus just as much as I do. And that we get to do this thing together until we see him. Until we see him. As Peter said, we have an inexpressible and glorious joy. Because one day we're going to see him and we're all going to rejoice in the fact that we were saved by the blood of the Lamb. And that we can spend eternity with our almighty God. God bless you.